Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Worship Stuff Podcast, the show where we talk about questions and topics that relate to the theology and practice of Christian worship. I'm your host, Jordan LG, and thank you for listening. If you've been enjoying the podcast, would you consider rating the show and subscribing to our feed? Also, if you have any worship questions you'd love to ask, or if you have any comments, please get in touch at worshipstuffpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to receive your feedback. In this episode, we're going to try something new. I have a special guest joining us. I've asked Daniel Reif, the Director of Worship Arts at College Wesleyan Church in Indiana, to join me, as he has an interest in our topic for today, and is certainly better versed in it than I am. And our question for today is this, what is the church year, and why should we pay attention to it? Let's listen in now on what Daniel had to say. So, Daniel, welcome to the podcast. And uh, for starters, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me, Jordan. I appreciate it. Um, well, yeah, I uh, work at a church in Marion, Indiana. I'm one of the co-worship arts directors. Um, and so I'm in charge of basically the worship of the church. Um, and I've been in this role for about seven years now. Uh, and yeah, cool. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> cool. What would be some of your like, okay, I'm, I'm going off script here, but I think this is interesting. What might be some of your main topics of interest when it comes to like looking at the church's worship and studying it? What are some things that really interest you? Yeah, I think uh, obviously the Christian year is a, a huge one mm-hmm. uh, for me. Um, but I think recently I've been kind of fascinated with the language that we use in our services. And so mm-hmm. I've been kind of listening and watching um, how much of our language treats God as though he's in the room. Mm-hmm. So how often are we actually talking directly to him mm-hmm. versus uh, how often we treat him like he's outside of the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just curious about the formational effects that um, – the different language we use has on our spiritual walk. Cool. Uh, yeah. So oh, that's, that's awesome. Recent... Maybe I'll, we'll have to do another interview and do another podcast yeah. <laughs> on that. That'd be great. Um, but let's, let's move on to the topic for today. So we're, we're talking a little bit about the church year or the Christian year and um, to kind of get us into it. What do, what do people generally mean or what does the term or the title the church year or the christian year what is what does that mean and what does it entail yeah so um you have to realize that i mean after christ and as the church begins to gather every every day was easter to them mm. they were living in a new era of time and it was the easter era uh christ had risen from the dead and um and that was the realization for the christian but after um a lot of the the generation that had experienced that um, after they had passed on and generations followed there there began to be this realization that uh, well maybe we need to start remembering more than just Easter <laughs> um, and and telling what happened before Easter and so uh, every Sunday was Easter Sunday to them but then eventually uh, 
uh, a particular season was established. Um, and then they added what we would understand as Lent um, to that. And mm-hmm. then um, it ended up becoming bigger and bigger until eventually they created a whole uh, calendar mm-hmm. for the entire year that would allow you to walk from the prophecies of Christ all the way through um, to his ascension mm-hmm. and then the commissioning of the church. And so basically, if you just wrote down on a piece of paper your understanding of Christ's uh, lifetime, mm-hmm. you could you could then draw lines at certain places and say these are where the seasons break. So that basically you're just telling the story of Christ in one whole year. So there'd be like seasons of each year and and kind of days and events in each year that would point to and kind of recapture, so to speak, like specific things in the life of Christ? Exactly. So yeah. there's six six specific seasons. Um, the first one is Advent. It's four weeks long, and that's when uh, the church focuses on the— uh, the prophecies of Christ's first coming, but we also um, look forward to his second coming too mm-hmm. in today's church. Um, and then the season of Christmas, uh, it's 12 days, not just one day. Um, <laughs> cool. <That sounds laughs> but awesome. for 12 days, we celebrate um, the incarnation that Christ mm-hmm. has come to earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we move into the season of Epiphany, which is basically just telling the stories of uh, Christ's life on earth. Mm-hmm. So a lot mm-hmm. of like, you focus a lot on the miracles and his teachings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, we head into the season of Lent, mm-hmm. which is uh, six weeks. And that's the journey of Christ to the cross, mm-hmm. which ends in Good Friday. And then uh, we move into Easter, which is also more than one day, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's 50 days, yep. um, longer than Lent even. And uh, the last day of Easter is Pentecost, which is kind of this like uh, turning point because we've reached like the halfway point of the year. And it's at this halfway point, the Christian year shifts from telling uh, Christ's earthly life story to then being about Christ continued life through the body of Christ. And so for the last six months of the year, um, what is called ordinary time, or sometimes it's called time after Pentecost, mm-hmm. um, it's the the remembering of the story of the church, of the call of the church, um, kind of mission-focused. And then that kind of loops back around, I guess, and we get right back to Advent? Yep. And so, the, yeah, ordinary time will end with, uh, it, this was a, this more of a recent ad, to the Christian year, but um, the last Sunday in the Christian year is called Christ the King Sunday, which is basically just a remembering that Christ is King of all nations. Um, and then at that point, which is normally the Sunday following Thanksgiving or somewhere around there, because then the next Sunday would be the first Sunday of Advent and we'd start over again. Cool. Um, American Thanksgiving in November. Amer- <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. For, for it wasn't a, very ecumenical of that. That's sorry. okay. We we will have <laughs> listeners. I don't know, maybe in both countries. So just thought I'd I'd, uh, I'd throw that one in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's awesome. Um, why would people that attend churches or part of churches that don't kind of normally, because some churches follow the church year in kind of their regular mm-hmm. Sunday services, but for those of us 
who might be in churches that like don't formally do that, why should we pay attention to the church year? Yeah. Well, I'm actually working on a resource now um, to help local churches uh, understand the Christian year and then implement mm-hmm. um, ways to celebrate. And so I'll reference some of that. But sure. um, I think the foundation to it is understanding that everything we do is making us into someone. Hmm. And so, and we've known this, I think most of our lifetime, but like we, what we eat, how much we sleep, the people we include in our life, the social events we go to, the movies we watch, the games mm-hmm. we play. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but we, we become a result of the choices that we make and the habits that we've grown accustomed to. And, and so I, I live in a college community. And so um, a, a concern I hear a lot of time from college students is, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. And um, as though, as though they, um, as though they aren't already making that decision by the choices that they're making. Right. But uh, obviously when students pose this problem to me, they're concerned about a professional vision rather than um, like what they did the night before, you know? Right. Right. And their concern makes sense. Uh, whether it's like pressure from their parents or friends or I don't know, just like our achievement driven society. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we find our identities kind of knotted up in the question of what am I doing with my life? Sure. And so I, similarly, I obsessed with this question too. And so for quite some time, I, uh, I would meet with numerous people who were a lot smarter than I was. And I asked them like, what do you think God wants me to do? And I remember mm-hmm. one woman, um, I met with, she responded to my question with her own question. Uh, and she said, Daniel, you seem to care a lot about what God wants you to do. But have you asked him who he wants you to be? What you do is measurable. It can be written down and recorded. It can be earned. It can receive a paycheck. It can be completed. Um, But who you are is unmeasurable. It it can be talked about and celebrated, but never fully known. Mm -hmm. It can be... It can be developed and molded, but never earned as much as found. Mm -hmm. Um, No one receives a paycheck for being patient or kind in a line at the grocery (laughs) store, you know? Right. Um, And who we are is never complete. Mm. Uh, It just continues to form. And so we worry about what we do, but often miss the slow formation or maybe even like the the deformation Mm. of our being as we seek after achievements and measurable accomplishments. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so in my... That's a like a lot <laughs> to get to the point, but no, in my good stuff. experience, in my experience, local churches struggle with the same identity crisis. There's a greater emphasis on what the church is doing than on who the church is becoming. So, perhaps the local church is providing meals to hundreds of homeless people each week, but in the process, the staff culture is becoming toxic. So, like the pressure from the leadership is demotivating the workload, or in the workload is causing burnout. Mm-hmm. But um there's a, a greater concern for what the church is doing than mm. who they are becoming. And so they tote a value for the homelessness, but evict their own members from belonging all in the name of doing good. Um, yet somewhere along the way, they stopped being good. Um, it's like that, I don't know, James Smith includes in his book that quote um, from Antoine uh, de Saint-Exupéry. I can't do the French. I'm 
but uh and he says if you want to build a ship don't drum up people to collect wood and don't Hmm. assign the tasks to work on but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea Hmm. yeah and building a ship is second nature to someone who values the sea but someone will give up building a ship if they never valued the sea and so Hmm. this is I think this is what a church's worship does each week. It teaches its people to value the endless immensity of the kingdom of God. Values are taught and caught in corporate worship. So I think the question becomes, what values are you currently teaching your congregation? Whether explicitly or implicitly, these values are who they, the values are who they're becoming. If you're not revealing God's values in worship, then expecting your people to go live like Christ seems incoherent. <laughs> um, and so with this, I think with this perspective, corporate worship becomes the blueprint of life, the time in which God reveals his values to us so that we can go and be the people of God, no matter like the details of our actual doing. Um, there are numerous ways in which worship could reveal the values of God and form us into the likeness of Christ. Um, but I, I would say that one of the strongest ways or best ways um, to do this is by uh, the Christian year, by telling the story of Christ. If you show me your schedule, I could probably tell you what you value. Right, right. <laughs> because we, we make time for what's important to us. And so whether it's actually the, the meeting that we value or the job that we would lose if we didn't attend the meeting, our our calendars reveal a lot about our value system. Hmm. Yep. And so if I were to replace your calendar with my calendar and you went to all my appointments, met all my deadlines and celebrated all the birthdays of people close to me, <laughs> your life would eventually look a lot more like mine than yours. Right. And even on a physical level, if I took on the calendar of an Olympic athlete, <laughs> my arms might actually fill my sleeves. I might not, I might not be so self-conscious of the pool, but calendars form us because what we choose to do with our time determines who we are. So, so I think if this argument stands, it would make sense that if we were to integrate Christ's calendar into our lives, those special events, the meetings, the waiting, the journeys, it would make sense to assume that over time, our life would begin to look like Christ's. Yeah. Not because, not because we're copying him, but rather because we're learning his values as we walk alongside him. And so, and even, and I mean, the Christian year repeats itself each year. And so it kind of has this idea that, well, wait, like if Christ's life isn't, ever changing and we're just remembering it like why do we have to go back every year and remember it and it's because every year christ is the same but you are different and so next year when i walk through lent i'll be in a completely different place maybe closer to christ and i'll Mm. understand him more and then the year after that i'll be in a different place again and so um but again the christian year is teaching us these values um at deeper and deeper layers each year we go through them So if someone wanted to find out more about Advent or, or Lent or Epiphany or one of these seasons that might be a bit unfamiliar, or if they wanted to do more or participate, perhaps, um, what could be some starting points for folks that wanted to perhaps participate or observe more of the church year? Well, if I 
finish this resource, then <laughs> maybe that'll be a, a place to start. Um, but yeah, I think there are so many different ways you can organize the Christian year. Different mm. traditions have different, like, different special days and mm-hmm. even different colors associated to different parts of the season. And, and, and there, I don't, I don't want to say that there's like one right way to do it. Right. Um, I think every church kind of has to figure out um, what method works for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you could find, you could find a bunch of those methods just by searching, you know, online for the Christian year. And, and there, there are calendars um, that kind of walk you through it. But uh I'd say one of the best p- ways to start is to look at your own context and, and just ask, what are we already doing that mm. aligns with the Christian year? And, and normally in an evangelical um, setting, that's going to be Christmas and Easter. So so maybe uh, asking, well, w- is there a way that we could make Easter last a season versus just one day? Mm. Could we say he is risen, he is risen indeed every day or every Sunday of the of that season? Right. Um, just to remind people like, yeah, we we are people of the resurrection. Like this is a this is a, a big thing, um, and so I, I'd say start there. Uh, another route would be um, I don't know if you've like how familiar everyone is with the lectionary, um, but the the beautiful thing that the lectionary does is it actually aligns with the Christian year, and so. Um, looking at the text that the lectionary provides, because it, it offers an Old Testament, a Psalm, New Testament, and um, or a New Testament gospel and a New Testament epistle for each Sunday, and yeah. um, those those correlate with the the Christian year. And so maybe maybe your pastor has a text that he that he or she uses for um, the sermon, but maybe in like the opening gathering portion, you could include the Psalm or something. Mm or the Old Testament reading yeah. to, to basically what you're trying to do, at least, at least this method has worked uh, in my context, try to build the ethos of the season without even calling it the season. Right, <laughs> right, right. So, so if there normally the season of Christmas has two Sundays in it, sometimes it only has one just depending on when it falls. But um, so just hit those Sundays hard with the, the Christmas story and with celebration. Yeah. Um, yeah. All seven Sundays of Easter, like let them be celebratory in the season mm-hmm. of Lent for those six Sundays. Maybe pull back, let mm-hmm. them be se- like let them be services that are a little more um, lament focused. Mm-hmm. And I mean, which is, I mean, what when you don't have anything to guide you, I mean, what worship leader says? I think we should have a service of lament, <laughs> you know. And and that's where I think the Christian year is kind of like it's helping our people be emotionally competent it's saying no you're allowed to be um mournful yeah uh, and and follow christ even to death on a cross you know and then i i mean this is kind of a sneaky way uh (laughs) but each each uh season has a color associated to it and so before i started um like like now we've reached the point where on our bulletin cover it says what season of the Christian year we're in. Right. But when right. I when when I first started um with this kind of journey, that was not near the future at all. Um and so but one thing once you build like this ethos around the seasons, people mm-hmm. start to kind of get in these I don't know, they follow the mood of the Christian year, I guess. Yeah. Um but then you start to bring in color that associates um, those seasons. And so, uh, normally Advent is blue or purple. Mm -hmm. I mean, just depending on the tradition. And then it's Christmas is white. 
and then epiphany is green. And it kind of goes through the pattern twice because then it repeats Lent is purple mm-hmm. uh, and then Easter is white and then ordinary time is green. Mm-hmm. And so you have these like dark colors in the season of like waiting or journeying and yeah. Advent. And yeah. Then you have celebration in Christmas and Easter. And then you have a time of growth in epiphany and in ordinary time. Cool. Um, and so you, you can kind of associate uh, the seasons with the colors. So I would just put those colors on the, the altar yeah. um, and change them as we went through the Christian year. And cool. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, well, thank you so much for being with us and sharing with us. This has been super informative for me and hopefully for some of you who are listening. And um, is there anything else that maybe like I forgot to ask you or anything else that you would want to share with us as it relates to the Christian year and kind of re-looking at Christ's life story? Is there anything else you'd want to share with us? Well, I don't know. You can cut this later if you want, but... (laughs) (laughs) But I think if I could simplify it down um, to your last question, like where do you start? I think in my mind, every season has uh, kind of an an ethos, an emotion, a disposition, I guess, that's kind of associated to it. And so, for example, so like an advent, I think we're invited to anticipate. Hmm. And so I, I don't know in your context what that would look like, but whatever you do, put elements in your service that allow people to, to know, to learn how to anticipate, right. Put moments of waiting and mm-hmm. silence, in the services during Advent and Christmas, it's the, the time of celebration. And mm-hmm. so whatever you do in your context, celebrate. And an epiphany, I think it's wonder you're, you're sitting in wonder, looking at the fact that God has stepped into humanity and mm-hmm. you're walking very closely as he breaks some rules <laughs> that you didn't think God would break yeah. um, and heals and, and yeah, you, you get to see God in action. And so you kind of are in wonder mm-hmm. Lent, I think is this reckoning where we have to reckon with our own um, physicality that yeah. from dust we came, dust will return. And so whatever you do, don't avoid the human realities that we face that's the time where you embrace it so, so fully. Um, Easter's triumph. It hit like the grave has been triumphed. Death, which was the greatest um, uh, victor up to that point mm. has now been defeated. And uh, we see that even death wasn't strong enough mm. to keep God down. Yeah. And so we triumph in that season. And then I think ordinary time is all about commitment, commitment to the greater church, commitment to um the long history of the church before us, and then even the commitment to what's coming ahead. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, yeah, it's it's commitment to, to what God is doing in the world and trying to become a part of it. And so those are just, I don't know, my summation of the ethos of each of the seasons, yeah. because I think that can kind of guide a church in saying, um, they might, they may be like, well, how do you celebrate um, epiphany. I don't know. Well, how do you teach your congregation to sit and wonder? That Mm. seems a little more like applicable, you know? Well, thank you, Daniel. It's been a pleasure. Um, yeah, we'll talk to you later. Thanks, man. Well, I hope this episode has been helpful to you in finding out a little bit more about the church year. If you are interested in exploring more, I would recommend checking out the book Ancient Future Time by Robert Weber 
or by visiting the website sacredordinarydays.com. As always, if you've learned something new or have any questions about our topic for today, send me an email at worshipstuffpodcast at gmail.com. I would be more than happy to interact with you. And as I mentioned at the beginning, if you've enjoyed the podcast so far, would you rate and subscribe? Thanks for listening. God's grace and peace go with you.